You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. verses 1 through 16 and it says Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother to Philemon our dear friend and fellow worker also to Aphia our sister and Archippus our fellow soldier and to the church that meets in your home grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective and in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that we, he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced but voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might be, but you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. issue every day we always face problems we always go through tough times but the beauty of it is there's good news man we always have the choice whether we want to live through Christ and face our trials or if we want to tackle our issues on our own right so listen here man Choosing the Jesus route, choosing the God route, man, it's real tough, you know, it's the road less traveled, right? And it gets hard a lot of times, man, along that path, you may drip a little blood, you know, have a few scars, you may drip a little sweat, you know, it it takes a little bit of hard work. You may drip a tear here and there because there is losses involved, there is pain involved, right? But you're always delivered and you always make it to your destination regardless of the trial, regardless of the struggle. 
you always end up stronger on the other end, right? You know, as opposed to living it without him, you know, everything is tough, but it's no survival. You know, you you facing a, a endless fight, you diving into the ocean with no swimming lessons and no life jacket, right? You know, so with that being said, if God is our strength and we're experiencing weakness, then we're at an advantage. You make the choice. Jerk or drown. So when my family a couple of years ago first moved to Natchitoches, one of the first things I noticed was the beautiful downtown Front Street. And uh, as you go around Natchitoches, it's like that's probably the best part, like that, that Front Street downtown. It's just beautiful. Well, I noticed that like they have this, all these shops and the coffee shop and all this, and there's a river right there. And I'm like, okay, this is a good setting. But then I saw a sign on that river. It said Cane River Lake. And I thought... What is that? I never heard of a river lake before. I know what a river is, and I know what a lake is, but in all my years, I never never heard or seen a sign for a river lake. So what, and I just kind of, what is that? And I just kind of left that be. I just thought, well, that's just what they call it. Hometown, got some history, but not really, doesn't really matter. And this came up recently. We were having a conversation around my dinner table at my house, like we do all the time. And um, somebody, I think maybe it was Zach. I remember somebody said, it's, it's an oxbow lake. And if you look up at an oxbow lake, it's a lake that appears to be a river because it's thin, and it kind of usually makes like a U or a swirly-shaped thing. And I thought, well, that makes sense. So, you know, maybe they thought it was a river, and then later as, as time goes on, they're able to, like, do the geographical surveys and realize it's not really a river. It's actually a, an oxbow lake. But then I did a deeper dive on that. Sorry, Zach, it's not an oxbow lake. I know that's what most people believe in and teach, yeah. but, it, but it actually, if you look at scientific, how it was actually created in the history of Natchitoches, it was a, uh, it, it was a kind of a braid off of the Red River, and it's considered now a man-made lake that was once a braid of the Red River because they decided at some point to, to, to stop it from being a braid of the Red River but be its own thing. So it looks to be an oxbow lake, but it's actually a man-made lake that's a braid off the Red River. And for me, it's like my perception determined what I, what I thought. When I first saw it, my, my perception was it's a river. But then I see a sign that changes my perception. Okay, it's a river lake, whatever that is. Then I have a conversation from a different point of view that changes my perception again. Oh, it's an oxbow lake. But then I take some time and do a deeper dive and have a different perspective now, a different perspective that says it's not actually an oxbow lake either. It's a man-made lake that was a braid of the Red River. So our perspective is very important on how we see things. How do you get a change and your perspective. We'll start with that question, and just I'll just ask you if you get, if you can think of like some some ways that our, our change of perspective happens in in our lives, in your lives. What are some of those ways we have a change in perspective? Okay, college. I said knowledge. Knowledge. So, oh, college. You get knowledge from college. Let me start rhyming up here. I'll really start preaching. Now I'm reaching. See what I did right there. Okay. <laughs> You said knowledge. Knowledge changes your perception. You get knowledge in college. And what did we say? What did you, you meet somebody new. You meet somebody new, and that can change your perception, change your perspective on that. 
Okay, your past experiences. You have a past experience and you have a, a new experience and it can change your perspective. Yeah. Anything else? And we had we had a lot of good ones right there. Okay, so you can meet somebody that's experienced some of the same stuff you have, but they dealt with it differently and help you get a different perspective on that. And since we're in church, I'll go ahead and throw in the church answer, the Bible. <laughs> you know, Jesus. You can, you can get a different perspective uh, on, on life and on your life through the scriptures and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So welcome this week. We're in week two of a little series through this uh, letter in the, in the New Testament called Philemon. We're calling this series Drip or Drown. Uh, and again, this is not, I said this last week, this not just, I guess I need to make a disclaimer. This is not an attempt for some middle-aged white preacher to try and be relevant. I didn't even know what drip or drown was until you guys explained it to me. Um, because it was the idea to do a series called, with the name drip or drown, actually came from Tariq, uh, I believe, right? It, and Tariq said, here's the idea. We got to dig it into what it would be about. It's about, it's about the reality that we, it's not about drowning somebody else's drip. It's about your own self, like your attitude, your behavior, your sin, your thoughts, um, how you see and treat people. You can drown in that self, or you can drip with the presence of God. So it's about the Holy Spirit of God and being able to drip with His presence here. So to get up to speed here, Philemon is a letter. It was written by a man named Paul who wrote a lot of letters that we find in the New Testament of the Bible. He, he wrote this while he was in jail. And if you, if, if you feel like, hey, you're going through this really fast, we spent a lot of time talking about this stuff last week. So we're going to just kind of speed through it this week. He, he spends a lot of time in, in jail in Rome, and he wrote this letter and several other letters while he was in, in jail in Rome about 30 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So when people start saying stuff like, I just really have a problem with the Bible because it was written two or three hundred years later. No, it was compiled two or two hundred plus years later, but it was written less than 30 years or so after the resurrection and crucifixion. And none of y'all, well, me and Kevin probably, nobody else has a, that far of a memory, 30 years in here, but, but Kevin and I do. And I can remember 30 years ago pretty vividly. I mean, I remember it very well. And so I think, you know, people who think, well, that's got to be a mistake. Right? 30 years later, how could you? I'm telling you, that's why one of the reasons I believe the New Testament is the guys wrote it within their lifetime of, of what happened. So Paul wrote this letter. He's got his friend Timothy with him. They send this letter to uh, a guy named Philemon. That's why it's called Philemon. And he, Philemon was a guy who led a church, actually hosted it like a house church in his home in the city of Colossae. And and there, uh, the, a member of this this group was a man who had been his slave. His name was Onesimus. So the letter is actually about this Onesimus. And you may have picked that up as, as uh, Lexi read the scripture this morning. Now Onesimus had, was a runaway slave. And now he was in jail. He met Paul in jail. He met Jesus through Paul in jail. And so now he sends them that he sends Paul sending him back to Philemon with this letter. And now he's like, he's been a fugitive, he's been a, a runaway slave, he's been a prisoner, and now he's got a new perspective. Now he's a follower of Jesus. And so he comes back to this life. So we'll dig in deeper here and, and several other scriptures this morning as well, um, and, and, as well as Philemon. But here's the big idea. Allowing God to change your heart and mind results in a changed perspective. How do you get a changed perspective? Allow God to change your heart and and mind. That leads to a changed perspective. And let's build on that, that big idea. 
A different perspective has results. And when you have a different, different perspective, one of those results is you begin to have a different way of thinking. Different, different, a different perspective results in a different way of thinking. When I first started off in this ministry, church pastoring thing, tw- almost 22 years ago, um, I began to do, at first, kind of start off on fire, gangbusters, really good, thought, man, this is great, I've got the college education, I grew up kind of in church, so I've got some experience, and I just kind of was excited. And then I began to look around, and I began to start feeling negatively about myself, because there were other youth pastors with bigger youth groups. And then you go on, and when you become a pastor, and you're like around, it's like, you start comparing yourself, and there's other churches with bigger churches, like, we don't, even, we don't have a building. And it's like, start comparing buildings. And it's like, well, first of all, we don't have our own building. So you got us on that. But we have more comfortable seats than you have. We got more parking than you have. We don't have to clean our own bathrooms. I mean, come on. You know, what's, what's, what's the trade-off here? But, you know, I began to really look at comparing myself and what I was kind of doing in, in such a way that made me look negatively on myself. But a number of years ago, God helped me learn to get a different perspective. I began to say, not, it's not about me, it's about him. And when I began to see that, I began to look, instead of looking at my life and what I was doing, I began to actually get a perspective where I could look at the lives of others. And there's, there are people who I've been blessed, I feel blessed and honored that God would work through me to be able to touch their life. And now I see them touching the lives of others. And I'm thinking, wow, that's more important than how big anything. Quit comparing yourself. That's the big lesson I learned. Stop comparing yourself to others and look how God is working. And I realized something. When I, when it's, when I make it not about me, my reach is actually larger than my reach. It's further than my reach. I, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe you're tracking with me on that or not. But we have to reverse our way of thinking sometimes, especially when we get locked into that comparison thing. We compare ourselves to others. We need to reverse that way of thinking. How do you go about reversing your way of thinking? Well, let's, let's look a little bit here and do a little reality check um, and take a look inside ourselves because it's, it's important for our lives to be guided uh, by our thoughts, to realize our lives are guided by our thoughts. They are. And it's good to pause and, and, and reflect on that. And I think there's, there's a few things, there's four things specifically I will talk about here that dominate our thoughts. Four things that can dominate our, there's probably more, but these are four I just kind of came up with. First are, are fearful, fearful thoughts. Fearful thoughts can dominate our thoughts. Bugs, snakes, spiders, heights, public transportation, public speaking, storms. <laughs> I heard all the time, and that God siren goes off. I just get chills. I'm, like, I'm glad I live where I can't hear it. I mean, you know, <laughs> clowns. I don't know. Is anybody here like got a fear of clowns? I'm sorry. Uh, I've had a friend who was like, if you've been said clowns, she started freaking out. And I'm like, that's not real, but I guess it really was. I don't want to doubt her fears. But I mean, people have these fears, fears of, of 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 that preachers with weird hair. I mean, they have all kinds of fears here, and probably the most paralyzed. What? <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the most paralyzing fear any of us have is the fear of what might happen. Coronavirus. It's, it's the fear of what might happen. We're not afraid of the virus. We're afraid of oh, we don't know. We get told on one hand, oh, it's going to be really bad. We get told on the other hand, don't even, you don't need a mask. Just wash your hands. And it's like, what is this? 
Well, we've heard this before. We've heard this before. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have heard this before. So this one's actually worse than the other ones. It's like it just keeps, they keep, you know, it's just crazy. But, but our fear comes from, we don't know what might happen, right? That's one of probably our biggest fears. So fearful thoughts can dominate our thoughts. Negative thoughts can dominate our thoughts. Negativity can dominate our thoughts. Probably, and if negative thoughts dominate your thoughts, the, the words you probably say most are, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I've known people, I've known some people like that. Like, no matter what it was, I just don't like it. And I'm like, this is the best chicken I've ever eaten. I don't like it. Do you think how good, how creamy and sweet this ice cream is? I don't like it. Do you hear that church? That, did you hear that? Did you hear those voices in church this morning? Sounded fantastic. I didn't really like it. But my favorite song. I mean, that, I mean, I've known people like that. Maybe you have too. And when our thoughts are predominantly negative, what happens is the feelings of others about us become predominantly negative. Because how many of us, like reality, how many, how many of us really like to be around negative? Somebody's negative all the time. It's difficult. And sometimes you're in a position, like if your job is like a pastor, you have to be around people sometimes if they're negative, and you've got to keep loving them anyway. It's difficult to be around people who are negative all the time. And if you try to point it out to them, oh, you're just being, you know, you're just picking on me. I don't like it. <laughs> Top it. Another way our thoughts get dominated are by hopeless thoughts. Hopeless thoughts can definitely dominate our thoughts. Thoughts like, you know, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Nobody sees me. Nobody understands. God, God, does, God wouldn't even care. Like, how could I even pray? You know, stuff like that. Hopeless thoughts can dominate our thoughts. And when hopelessness, uh, hopeless thoughts dominate our minds, soon hopelessness will dominate our hearts. But there's another thought that can dominate our thoughts. And it's peaceful thoughts. Peaceful thoughts. It's the place where peaceful thoughts rule our hearts and minds. And that's the place where God wants to bring us to. That's where he wants to bring us all to. So how do we get there? How do we get to this place where peaceful thoughts are what? Now, you're going to get angry. You're going to have fears. You're going to have times. You're going to have uh, sometimes when, when something happens that's negative. I mean, if you just get in politics for one second, you're going to have a negative thought. It's okay. It's okay. There's even going to be times when, you know what, you kind of lose hope a little bit. But how do you get those thoughts back to where peaceful thoughts dominate your thoughts? Well, let's look at the, in the scriptures a few other places besides Philemon, written by the same guy who wrote Philemon, Paul, um, on some ways of getting your thinking to become peaceful thoughts. Uh, I guess it's, these are thoughts on thinking or thinking about thinking, uh, whatever. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do I get those peaceful thoughts instead of the fearful, the hopeless, the negative? Take every thought captive, grab it, and make it, make it obedient to Christ. What does it mean to be obedient to Christ? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Love each other as I have loved you. That's what it means to be obedient to Christ. Take those thoughts and make them obedient to that, to Jesus. 
He goes on in another place, Romans 12, 2, and he says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do I get those? How do I get peaceful thoughts to dominate my thoughts instead of these other things? Stop conforming your thinking to the pattern of the world and let the, let the thinking of the way of Jesus transform your mind. Transform the way you think, it says. Renew your mind. In 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What kind of spirit does God want to give us? Not one where fear dominates us, or our negativity or hopelessness, but where love dominates us, where we have the power of love and a sound mind. That's his desire. That's what he says right there. Realize this. God's desire for you is that you would have peaceful thoughts dominate the way you think. And in Romans 8, 6, he writes, If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. How do I get that peace of mind? How do I have the peaceful thoughts dominate my mind? Well, stop letting your sinful nature control your thoughts. And start inviting the Holy Spirit of God to, to change your mind, to transform your mind. There is life and peace, he says. Now, I get it. It says, let the Holy Spirit control your mind. And that word control, that'll, that'll throw us. We don't like control. We don't want nobody to control us. I want to be in control. Like, I, I'm in charge of me. And that's where we keep coming back to negative thoughts and, 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 and uh, hopeless and fearful thoughts. But if we would invite the Holy Spirit, Lord, Holy Spirit, take control of my way of thinking. Peaceful thoughts will begin to dominate your way of thinking. A different perspective is what we're talking about. Getting that perspective, God's perspective, and it results in a different way of thinking. And when we do that, we begin to, next thought we can camp out on for a minute, is we begin to see the good through the bad. You can see the good through the bad. This happens to me quite a bit because I'm kind of wired. If any of you guys are into Enneagram, I'm Enneagram 7. Uh, I'm an extrovert. Um, I'm, I'm, always, I'm high on that scale. And I'm like, I'm really, you know, it's a lot, of, a lot of surface stuff. So when I look in the mirror, it's a lot of surface stuff. And I have like, like this past week, I had a day and I had on that one shirt. Like everybody's like, dude, I don't speak for women, but, but guys, we probably, we have like a shirt or an outfit. We don't usually say we have outfits, but we have we have them. We kind of put it together. And you have like a shirt, and you really like it, how it looks on you, right? Might be your, got it on right there. But I'm talking, for me, it's like my favorite shirt isn't like, it's, it's not a certain brand, isn't, isn't got like a, you know, a certain slogan on it or whatever. It fits in such a way that this part is accentu accentuated, right? The, this part right here, and then this part right here. It's like it kind of covers that, so you don't see this part right here. It doesn't stand out. So I had that shirt on. I had my, you know, the jeans. I like some jeans that fit pretty good. I got the jeans on. I have my nice, my nicer. I don't really have like you know, fancy shoes, but I have my nicer shoes. And I'm like, my hair. Of course, my hair is always, you know, I'm like, looking, yeah, fire, fire, looking in the mirror, and I'm like, I understand now. Drip. I got the drip. But then I saw in the mirror a blemish right here. And I'm like, what? I'm 50 years old. Why do I have a zip? Why do I have a blemish? And then I just, I just st stood there like for like, I don't know. It's probably it felt like five minutes, but it was probably like 30 seconds. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm like, 
Everything went to, I, man, I just, I don't want to go anywhere today. I feel horrible. I went from like seeing all the positive, but there was one negative, one negative when I looked in the mirror, and that's all I could focus on anymore. It kind of took me where, pff, I don't really want to go see anybody. I'm kind of, I'm embarrassed. Why do we do that? Why do we tend to focus on the negative over the positive? Anybody have a thought on why real quick? I mean, why, why do we kind of do that? It's easy to soak in it. It's easy to soak in it. Yeah. It's easy. Mm, we're living in the moment. Living in the moment, yeah. It's easy to convince yourself you can't change the negative. Okay. We get, we, get, we get caught up in we can't change that negative thing, which is right. I mean, I can't do anything about I mean, I could, I could put on some makeup or something, or you know, but it, it's still there. Then I would feel more self-conscious. Like, ah, they're going to see I got makeup on. <laughs> Take the positives for granted until something bad happens. We tend to take the positives for granted until something bad happens. So we so we get focused on that negative because we've been taking the positives for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this passage from Philemon and again, just, just the verses 15 and 16. He says, It seems like you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He's no longer like a slave to you. He's more than a slave. He is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he, now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So Paul writes, hey, Philemon, my friend, my brother, we've been, through, we've been down the road together. I know Onesimus owes you big time. In, in, in a way, he ripped you off. He stole from you when he ran away, and, and he left you hanging there. And, and, and so, so you, could, you could change your way of thinking. I know, I know it's negative right now, but you could change your way of thinking because Onesimus is different now. He is now a follower of Jesus, which makes him a brother, not a slave, a brother. Philemon, maybe you could change your perspective and see the good through the bad. So Onesimus, I got to think, you know, his thoughts about himself. I try, we don't know a lot about this guy. This is all we know about him in the New, Test, in the New Testament. We know historically more stuff, which I'm going to drop on you next week, so don't miss next week. But, uh, but Onesimus, his thoughts have to be like, man, I'm a slave, I'm a fugitive, I'm in, I'm in jail, I'm a thief, I'm ugly. I'm just no good. And then he meets Paul. And, his, and he meets, he, through Paul, he meets Jesus. And, and he's, now his perspective is, God loves me. God loves me. Jesus died to set me free. Jesus died so that, that, you know, even if I have to pay for my mistakes in this jail the rest of my life, or even if I go back to Philemon and I have to pay for running away the rest of my life, I'm set free through Jesus here and here. I'm free. His perspective changed. His way of thinking changed. He began to see the good through the bad because he realized I'm loved by God and I'm accepted by the blood of Jesus. I am loved by God, and I'm accepted through the blood of Jesus. Not through anything I did or anything anybody else did, just Jesus. I'm, that's why I'm, how I'm accepted and why I'm accepted through Jesus. And thanks to Jesus, Onesimus would say, I have a different perspective now to see the good through the bad. And that's also my story. Through Jesus, I have a different perspective, and I now can see the good through the bad. It's not always easy, but it is possible. So maybe you've lived with guilt. 
Maybe you live with guilt for a long time, and it's just like automatically now, like you think everything is your fault. I wish I could just let you off the hook. It's not. That's what guilt does to us, though. It's time for a changed perspective. Maybe you've been victim of hurtful words or actions by others. And now it's like all, all you can really believe about yourself is that you deserved that. And you didn't. You need to know that. You need to change a perspective. Change perspective. And take responsibility for your thoughts. You can take responsibility for how you think. First of all, there are two ways you can do that. Look for the good in yourself. Take responsibility for your thoughts by looking for the good in yourself. It's okay. <laughs> even if I only see at first, like, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything good in myself for so long, I don't even know. At first, maybe it's just one small thing. Find that something good and celebrate it. Thank God for it. When our perspective of ourselves changes, so does our perspective of others about us change. So, Take responsibility of your thoughts by looking for the good in yourself. And then also look for the good in others. Look for the good in others. Because pointing out the bad in others' lives, I mean, that's just reached epidemic level. level. I get to the, I understand why people are giving up uh, Facebook and Twitter for Lent. <laughs> because pointing out the negativity of a negative in other people's lives has re- reached epidemic levels. We see that all the time. And if we're following Jesus and we're guided by the Holy Spirit, we will be different. We'll live out like Philippians 4.8 that says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Usually when people ask me, why don't you really talk about politics? I got two, two answers. One is, I'm right smack in the middle. And everybody else is taking sides. And I'm like, if, if, if I say about one uh, topic or, or, or one person, one thing, well, oh, you're over here with us. But no, 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 because on this next topic or this next person, I'm over here. And it's like, so I'm right kind of smack in the middle. The other reason I don't really talk about politics is because fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. It has nothing to do with politics. Think about things that are pure, lovely, and admirable. I never see that in politics. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I've yet to see one debate or one politician do or say anything that's excellent and worthy of praise. Okay, once in a while, there's something good. It's excellent and worthy of praise. Great. But not consistently. So fixing our minds on true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise leads to a changed perspective so that we can also see the purpose through the pain. That's what cycles is all about, seeing the purpose through the pain. But that God who breaks every change is seeing purpose through the pain. I, uh, I have a friend named Ashley who a number of years ago, I was her pastor, and she brought in this piece of luggage to me. And she brought it in, and I was like, wow, what is that? <laughs> Baggage shame and red. And, and across the top and around the side, is like, who are you and what are you and what are you living for and, and all this. And she was kind of started telling me her, her story a little bit. And she said, I just had this, this, this old piece of luggage, this baggage, and I just felt moved that a lot of times that's what we carry around. She's like, that's what I've carried around. And she said, but, but, my, but God is a God of repurposing. He repurposed things. And this is, I'm, she says, I want to repurpose this baggage, and I want to give it to you to use anytime, any way you want to. And here I am like 10 years later, still got it, still using it. And this is the baggage claim. It's, you know, it's been changed. 
uh, what's been carried around. And Ashley said, if you could, uh, whenever you, when you can use this, just know my story. And she wrote her story down and left it inside this piece of luggage. And I still have it right here. She says, this will take just a minute. You may ask who places a note resembling a testimony in an old refurbished suitcase. The answer is someone who has, who, who has proof that lives can be changed. My depression through my childhood and, and a father who suffered, uh, I have a, I'm a daughter of a mother that suffered from depression throughout my childhood and a father who suffered, suffered from alcoholism. I need not tell you about all the bad things that my younger brother and I heard, saw, and experienced growing up, for that's history. I've heard too many people say, you poor children. I'm not sure how you have any sense growing up the way you did. Or your worthless dad should be ashamed. Or I'm glad you didn't follow in his footsteps. And even you poor, your, your poor single mother worked so hard when you were growing up and, and did, it without so, did without so much for you and your brother. How did you turn out so successful? Sometimes I simply laugh to myself about all the shame and pity that people see. I'm not angry at those people for speaking or directing negative thoughts at us or at my parents. They just fail to see that there is a happy ending. Everyone has bad experiences. Yet probably far more positive ones outweigh the bad if you stop and allow yourself to acknowledge them. Why am I telling you this? I felt compelled to tell you that all, although our parents aren't always reliable, God placed people in our lives to lead us in the right direction by taking us to church, teaching us about the right path, and showing us that there is more to life than I can see. Grandparents, cousins, teachers knew we needed an extra push and guidance and made a difference in our lives by teaching us we had choices. We were taught that we could talk to God and that Jesus loved us and that the devil didn't like it, he could go sit on a tack. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it, but if you think for a second that God's greater good isn't still shining, then think again. Fast forward 20-some-odd years, 30 now. I'm a college graduate with two degrees. I'm a wife, a mother. I'm actually sitting amongst you today. My brother and I made choices to change the negative stereotypes and stigmas that were associated with, uh, with us by our peers and adults from our hometown. My husband and I bring our son to church, now their daughter also, by the way, and pray that we effectively teach him that people are not victims of circumstance, their environment, or what people claim they will be. I've learned that negativity only has so much power as you are willing to allow it. Some days I still wake up in awe after two years plus now and still, let, and still tell God I can't believe he had enough faith in me to leave me responsible for another human life, which is the greatest gift I've ever received. My brother and I are living proof that our God has a plan for each of us, that you can crack the mold, step outside of the box, and break the cycle. You are who God chose you to be when you carry out his plans. We are saved by grace, walking in faith and evidence that letting that baggage, resentment, fear, anger, stigma, stereotypes, and hurt go proves that change is alive and well. I challenge you to find at least one thing positive about your life and those around you to thank God for each day. See how quickly your attitude, relationships, outlooks, etc. all change. Thank you, Ashley, for sharing that. See purpose through the pain. In chapter, uh, verse 11 of Philemon, he says, Onesimus hasn't been much use to you in the past, but now he's very, very useful to both of us. There's purpose through the pain. I want you to see this. When I, this is something I said last week, and I just, I just want to reiterate. When we leave what's in the past in the past, we're free to embrace the right now. 
and continue to move forward. That's what Jesus wants for you and for me. A changed perspective. He once only saw pain, but now sees there's something bigger going on here. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Love that verse. It doesn't say God causes everything. It says God causes everything to work together. It doesn't say it's good, but for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's a fantastic promise. A different perspective means we see purpose through the pain, and we begin to see situations differently in the midst of the pain. So instead of asking why, we start to ask what. Instead of asking why, why God, why? We ask what? What God? What what can I learn here? What God? What can I do differently here? What what do I need to do in the midst of troubles and trials we go through? Instead of asking why God, we ask God, what do you want me to learn? What's your desire for me through this? It seems Paul this intent, this letter to Philemon, was to give Philemon this different perspective. Instead of asking, why did Onesimus do this to me? Ask, what does Christ have to teach me through the changed life of Onesimus? Here's your chance to drip or drown. Here's our chance to drip or drown. I know I've thrown a lot of scripture at you, but here's one I want you to remember. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great, great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now, whether we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Allowing God to change your heart and mind results in a changed perspective. Next steps... Instead of asking why, ask what. Instead of asking why, God, ask what now, God. And then, I'm not a big scripture memorization guy, but if there is one scripture I would say today, then it's a great scripture to have ready. Maybe you're not in troubles right now, but you know they're going to come. I mean, finals are coming. Second Corinthians four seventeen and eighteen. Commit that, to, commit that to memory so you have it ready when that next time comes, those present troubles come. Lord, we love you and thank you for our time together. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for ancient letters that are bound in, the, in this New Testament of this Bible that, um, Lord, they, they speak to us in a way that we realize this wasn't just a letter from one man to another man about a third man. This is words of challenge and, and direction and correction and help for us. These words just weren't from Paul to Philemon. They're from you to us. And Lord, we just thank you that, Lord, we have the opportunity not just to hear them, but, Lord, to apply to our lives. Because, Lord, we, we, we've, we come to you knowing that you're a God who changes us as we follow you. We thank you, Lord, that, that uh, we can belong together while you're still working on us. We belong to you as your children while you're still at work. So, Lord, we just want to offer you that, that praise and that thank you today. And for right now, Lord, for any of us that are gathered here, any just watching online or listening to the podcast or whatever, that, Lord, that whatever this present trouble is, whatever this present situation is, that, Lord, we just take that and we just, we just quit focusing on that and we focus on the reality that you have a, 
a forever hope for us. Lord, you would change our way of thinking and help peaceful thoughts dominate our thinking so that, Lord, we can continue, Lord, to stand in the hope and the joy and in the future that you have for us. And now, God, as we sing this song, Lord, it's a, it's a, it's a song of just of challenging us and, and to awaken us. But, Lord, it's also our time to reflect and just maybe even say this prayer. Lord, help me with this particular situation. Help me to see myself as you see me and stop focusing on the negative. Help me to see this person or that person or this situation the way you see it, Lord, with your, with your way, your, your hope in your peace. Change my perspective in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.